0: On the 28th of November 1979, an Air New Zealand sightseeing flight TE-901 crashed into the side of Mount Erebus in Antarctica. All 257 passengers and crew on board were instantly killed. At the time here in New Zealand, it seemed like everyone knew someone connected to the tragedy. I knew someone too. Over the years, we've heard a lot of stories about Erebus, the cover-up, the court case, the controversy. But here's some stories you might not know. Hi, I'm Lizzie Oakes, and when I was 10, I lost my nan, Muriel Florence Rose Harrison, to Erebus. Forty years later, I'm a broadcaster, and on this podcast, Erebus, engraved on our hearts, I'm speaking with others whose lives have been impacted by the disaster. Episode 5, Premonition. Paul Gilbert was at primary school when his papa, Peter Tanton, took the trip to Antarctica to celebrate his 60th birthday. But the night before flying, Peter had a troubling premonition. So it's great to have you here on the podcast today, Paul. Lovely to meet you.
1: Thanks for the invitation.
0: And uh, so you uh, lost your lovely Pop on the flight. Can Mm. you tell me about, is it Popper Pete?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, we used to call him Popper. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. that was his family and childhood memories of running around um, one of his many talents was as a landscape gardener. So running around his garden up at Little Manly, um, uh, up on the Froner Peninsula, um, was Popper. Yeah, that's right. It was his 60th birthday present uh, to go on the flight, and he took his best mate with him. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, Peter Tanton was, was uh, his name, um, but known to us as Popper as the as the grandchildren.
0: So what kind of things was he into? Obviously he was into landscape gardening. What sort of adventures did you have with him? Well, he he
1: was uh,
0: many things in his life. Um, the
1: first sort of career he had as a young man was uh, he got called up into the RAF and served as a pilot in World War II and flew 30 missions over occupied Europe as a bomber pilot. Wow. Um, which wouldn't have sat well with him because he was a very loving man and he didn't like the idea of, of hurting a bee. So dropping bombs on people was probably not very high up his list of priorities. Um, and so that was his first career. Uh, he was a decorated war hero. He um, actually, flying a bombing run over Lille in occupied France, um, got uh, some um, anti-aircraft aircraft um, damage to, to one of the wings of the plane um, managed to complete the run um, and then as they were flying back across the French coast back to England uh, uh, they were attacked by a German fighter pilot which they managed to avoid and 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 um, and get rid of um, but he lost all the fuel and both um, one whole side of the plane the engines um, were kaput so was awarded a medal for getting his crew and the plane safely back to to England, um, and and um, went on to become a squadron leader at at a very young age, um, and and then I think after the war, uh, really, the memories were pretty intense, and I and they needed to leave um, him and my grandma Molly really needed to leave England. So they they migrated to New Zealand and and, and um, then he got into market, um, not market gardening, sorry, um, landscaping. And eventually um, where he met my father and introduced my father to his daughter, my mother, was at Theological Training College at, at St. John's College here in Auckland. Okay. And, and so uh, he trained to be an Anglican priest. And, yep. and so I think he was the only ordained priest on the plane as well as, um, as being a retired um, fighter pilot.
0: Wow, he's had a he had a fascinating yeah. life.
1: Yeah, indeed. And so um, it was really interesting because in our family, we know um, from, from conversations he had with my grandmother, Molly, who's also passed away um, subsequently, but at a ripe old age, and, and she had a, a lovely, long and, and healthy and happy life, um, that he had a premonition and didn't actually want to go on the flight. Uh, and so the night before, he told my grandmother, "I don't want to go," but he'd already committed because it was his sixtieth birthday gift to go on the plane, and and so off he went with his best mate beside him um, on on that champagne tour to 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 see the uh, the great southern continent of Antarctica. So there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of of regret there that he didn't follow that intuition, but you know it happened, um, and. Um, And he did always say he wanted to go with a bang um, rather than than going out quietly. And I think that probably harks back to his history as a pilot himself. And so um, he certainly did that.
0: Can you cast your mind back to that day, back 40 years ago, you would have been at primary school?
1: Yeah, I was. I was born in 71 um, so I was I was young and it's it's almost like it happened yesterday. I still very, very distinctly remember because my dad uh, was working in industrial mission in the factories of Lower Hutt and we were gathered as a family at number 329 Riverside Drive in Ipuni and we were gathered around the, the TV. Uh, we had received a phone call um, uh, from um, my grandma I've, I, I I recollect saying that um, she had heard there was some, there was some, something had gone wrong and that the 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 flight was was missing. And we sat and we waited and we watched and we got to that point where we knew they would have run out of fuel, um, which was really the moment when it all it, it, for us, as a family gathered around the TV, um, together, that's my mum, my dad, my brother, and my sister um, in, in in our little um, home in in Lower Hutt, where we we knew it was not good. Mm. That was the moment of realization, I think, for us. You know, obviously, as families that have been impacted by this, we've all done some of us some some reading and of of the various reports that have come out over the years in terms of the background detail about. Um, the sequence of events that actually occurred, um, and and even just recently, you, you know, gosh, our hearts go out to that poor American um, air crewman who was in the plane that was following along forty minutes behind, who 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 um, you know, doing his job. They had a chat with the pilot. They knew that they were forty minutes behind. Air New Zealand gave their their, their coordinates. He had a look at the coordinates, realised what was happened. Told his crew to get back in touch. It was too late. You know, it was seconds or minutes there. But you know, you, we can't hold people to account or or attribute blame for, for to anyone for what happened, and have no interest in doing so. Um, what happened happened, and it's in you know it's 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 uh, deeply marked in our history as a family. Um, but really. We've come to the point of acceptance and acknowledgement and, and, and forgiveness, and now it's time for remembrance and celebration of those lives. So as a family, really what we would love to see is is a, a, a place, a memorial where we can gather and pay our respects uh, and to remember those that we all lost. And to celebrate those lives, um, mm. because they were rich lives. Many of the people who were on the plane had lived full lives. They were, you know, the I think the average age was reasonably past halfway. I don't know, the, you know, but certainly that was our experience. And so um, we'd we'd love to have a, a place where we can gather on on birthdays or, or, or significant events and pay our respects and remember those that we lost. And so that's what we're hopeful for at this point because we've been waiting 40 years.
0: Mm. Paul, in an earlier conversation that you and I had on the phone, you indicated to me that um, the 2009 memorial, I think, 30th. I can work that out. And um, that, that was quite a significant moment for you in your journey with Erebus. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, I think that was the one at Air New Zealand here in Auckland. And um, I think Rob Fife was the CE at the time. And, and, and I remember meeting him that day and I remember him apologising. And I know there's a, a wide range of views from different members of different families. But for me personally, I found that helpful. I'd actually stopped flying in New Zealand um, for many many years because I felt there was an ongoing denial uh, that 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 we all had a part to play and 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 um, in New Zealand was a part of that you mm-hmm. know and and um and so it really for me was uh helpful in allowing me to let go of some of that stuff that I'd been holding on to there was a bit of anger there Um, that there'd never really been an acknowledgement. You know, and I understand all the reasons for that, you know. Um, And, you know, in the background, you've got international passengers sitting on an Air New Zealand plane owned by the government who have got no insurance. So you're sitting, it's the prime minister of the time, being advised by your lawyers and your accountants that if we admit liability here we're in real trouble financially could have bankrupted the airline for all I know so what do you do when you when you've got all of these voices coming in over your shoulder as the as as the airline as the prime minister you know there's a lot of complexity going on there mm. uh get that you know but at the end of the day uh, it was really helpful to have that moment in time at in New Zealand there and that acknowledgement. um I think with the passage of time um, that's helped and I and and I think that the next stage for all of us you know I was at the uh, there was another event more recently at the Dalmatian Center with uh, with the mayor and Natifatua and the Prime minister uh, another really, wonderful event and gathering of 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 not just the families who've been impacted but also the people who who were part of 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 the ice operation uh,
0: yeah so that was the 39th anniversary wasn't it that was that was last year yeah but yeah that tell me about that well I I just f-
1: I, I sat at a table with families who'd flown in from France and the UK and 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 I just thought it was a very very special and honest and good occasion and there was a seminal moment on the day where we were kind of going through process and we had the Ministry of Culture there and they were talking about how we were going to do the memorial and it was very procedural. And then uh, a man, i sorry, I, I wish I could remember his name, but he moved me deeply. He just took the whole conversation to a, a profoundly deeper level, which was where we really needed to go because he'd lost both his parents on the flight. And it, and it came about as, in a way, his reaction to being told by the minister of Ministry of Culture that there were going to be six good people on, on the board deciding on the memorial, but none of them were going to be family members of, of, of those of us who were impacted directly by the Erebus accident. And he said it didn't feel great, because there he was as a child being told how he should behave, what he should do, how he should react to having lost both his parents. That was his lived experience of the disaster. And here he was again, 39 years later, being told how it was going to be, and that didn't sit very comfortably with him. And I have to say, hat off to the Prime Minister, who exhibited extraordinary leadership on the spot. She turned to the Chief Executive of of the Responsible Ministry and said, well, that's not going to work, is it? having no members of family on the board. And we had a bit of a conversation in the room and we felt that it would be too much to place that burden on just one family. So we agreed we'd have two. And that's I think that was wonderful leadership because at the pointy end of any genuine consultation is decision-making. And we saw that in the room on the day and a good decision was made and I'm delighted with the outcome that we've got to in terms of the selection of the place, the selection of the memorial. Uh, It's exactly what we as families asked for. We wanted a quiet, elevated position with a view where we could contemplate and celebrate the lives of those that we lost And, and, and really that's what's been put on the table.
0: Paul, I was in the room then too. We hadn't met at that stage and um, I echo your thoughts and sentiments. It was it was just like we were in this room, like you say, it was sort of process and then it was like we all turned a corner and had gone into a different room mm. and suddenly uh, I remember that gentleman speaking, I mean, probably, I don't know, would he have been in his 40s yeah. or something like that? Yeah. And then after he spoke, all these other people, do you remember, they started yeah. pitching in and they said who they'd lost and they'd lost it just... The whole room just sort of exploded and there was so much emotion in that room and so much pain that I thought to myself, actually, these people need to be heard. Mm. And to be honest, that was probably one of the seed ideas for actually having this podcast. I knew I wouldn't get everyone in that room into the studio with me, Mm. but um, I knew that maybe even if they weren't in the room, hearing the conversations that we're here having would would help in yeah, their it, journey.
1: It really does, because each family has its story, and 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 um, every time I I go to one of those events, I meet someone else and realise their perspective. Especially, you know, I like speaking about that American airman who has had nightmares for for forty years, wondering if he could have called them back sooner. Uh, like the people who 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 helped clean up our relatives and and remove the the remains from the mountain and the trauma that they've experienced, you know, and making sure we properly recognise them and acknowledge the, the 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 pain that they have experienced, and so I totally agree. I think I think um, that. that it helps all of us if we can recognise um, what, what it felt like for us, and what it meant to us, and how it's impacted us. And 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 um, so thank you for for helping us to tell those stories.
0: Um, earlier, Paul, you mentioned about that um, you you wouldn't fly in New Zealand, and then you you had that cathartic moment where you felt a sense of uh, being acknowledged, and you were able to forgive. What about? When a few years ago in New Zealand uh, did their promotional video, you know, they always spend a lot of money Mm. and they chose to make it in Antarctica. How did you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I, look, it didn't sit comfortably with me. I, I complained on on flights that I felt it was inappropriate, and and um, it kept running. So, and I think other people did that too. I felt it was making light of of uh, a a real significant marker in New Zealand history. I don't think it would have been. Uh, too difficult to pay some respect or 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 make some acknowledgement if they'd committed to that location uh i think then they were duty bound to recognize that in some way shape or form so i think it was poorly judged mm. uh, and it did not make me feel good um, sitting on planes uh as i was regularly uh, and watching that 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 video I, I i thought it was in poor taste
0: yeah i, w- I don't catch planes that often but I think I was going to Wellington or something and it came on and I literally actually felt sick. Mm. Like I felt, because my my grandmother, my nan, her body wasn't recovered and I just felt like they were were jumping up and down, like they were dancing on the gravestones of our loved ones and it just felt so disrespectful. And I felt like the people behind this, a bunch of 25-year-olds who – well, don't, it's quite don't remember it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Advertising agency and people have but short memories, and and off you go, and you think, oh, it's a good idea, and then you've committed to the budget, and then it's too late, and then you don't want to, you know, have spent all that money. But uh, yeah, I, th- I I think not, not not great, and definite room for improvement, um, and 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 um, maybe reflect and, and and learn and note that down in the advertising manual for next time because it, it didn't it did not sit well. With, with me and and um, a number of members of my family. Yeah, agree with that.
0: Paul, did any of your family get to go to Antarctica, the trips that were put on?
1: No, no. So that that's kind of part of the point in terms of the r- strong focus that, that I've got and other members of my family have got and other families have in terms of what do we do where do we go cuz we can't all afford to fly to Antarctica i don't even know how you would go about doing that unless unless that, i mean it was great that some some people did get to go but for others of us who can't afford to do that or didn't have the opportunity to do that where where do we go cuz mm. i know there are a few other small Specific memorials for specific purposes in a in in a few places around the country. Um, you know, for the aircrew, for example, um, I, I believe there's a there's a place out near the airport for some others uh, at Waikumete. There, um, In terms of, I, I think were those servicemen. I'm not sure.
0: Um, that was for those who weren't identified. So,
1: th- right. So, so like, someone
0: ends up. Your yeah. nan
1: is there, right? I've,
0: I've been there. Couple of times in my life, I don't. I I just can't even identify with it.
1: Yeah, I realise
0: I've never taken my teenage son there. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure I want to go to a cemetery. Mm. That's not the place. I uh, and so so a a as we said, as the families, uh, a place where we can see the names of our relatives, a place that represents. All of those people—the crew, the pilots, the, the 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 passengers who were on the plane—a place of quiet remembrance is what is what we really feel we need and we want. And um, whilst we understand um, there's there's some local resistance, it's quite funny. I, I was uh, I was on the phone this morning having a, a bit of a laugh about this with the people from the Ministry of Culture and Heritage because I um, after lower Hutt moved and lived in Parnell. So the proposed site for the memorial uh, literally is my back garden, and was was a place where I regularly visited, because uh, Dad's connected up with the Anglican Church, and there's and Judges Bay there across across the bay from the site. There's a lovely little Anglican church. And it's an elevated, beautiful position, and it totally meets the brief. And we have the blessing of Ngāti Whātua, or uh, Orake as as mana whenua for the area, and and, and we have the approval of of uh, uh, the council. and And the park is named after the mayor, who was the mayor of Auckland at the time of of the of the accident, and and so ticks all the boxes in terms of all the comprehensive research that was done of families saying, well, what do we want? Uh, and and where do we want it? Well really Auckland is where the plane took off from. So uh, I appreciate um, that there is, is a a group that feel it, it might be better located in Christchurch which was the anticipated return fuel uh, refueling stop. but uh, the vast majority of people who were on the flight boarded in Auckland um, left from Auckland and, and and I think it's a great spot and, and and a great proposal and we'd love to see it there and so, I'm very hopeful that we can encourage the good people of Parnell to share their park with us and and allow us to 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 have the monument we've been waiting forty years um, to have. Do
0: you feel like for you and your family, you've you've talked a lot about? Sort of working through it and forgiveness would that be sort of the final chapter?
1: Yeah, I think that gives closure. I really do. I think um, then we've all got the opportunity to to go uh, and 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 sit and to celebrate the lives of our loved ones and to remember them, and uh, and I, I, for me personally, I, I can only speak for myself in this context. That would feel uh, like closure and like acceptance and 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 moving on and and uh, would, would give me a great sense of peace. Um, Peter, my granddad, was a man of action. And I can hear him saying, Holy cow, it's taken you 40 years, really. Because <laughs> my my greatest memory of him is a little bit like that mayor Shadbolt with his with his concrete mixer and, and, and his wheelbarrow. Um, Popper was forever building stuff. You'd have a, you'd have a conversation over breakfast about a new path in the garden. It'd be done by sunset. Wow. And so it would be driving him nuts, thinking that we've taken 40 years to get the names of him and his best mate and all the other good people who were on that plane uh, recognized appropriately.
0: Hey, Paul, I really want to thank you for coming in today. It's been so awesome to spend this time and for you to share your heart and your memories and hear about your awesome pop. And, um, yeah, as I said to somebody else on an earlier podcast, this is uh, one of the blessings, actually, of Erebus, that uh, getting to connect with so many great people like yourself. So thank you so much.
1: You're most welcome. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts. I'm Lizzie Oakes. Thanks to Scott Gillen, my audio engineer, and to Rema Media for their support. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Catherine Carter, the eldest daughter of Captain Jim Collins. To subscribe, go to Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts on iTunes, Spotify, or Erebus Engraved on Our